balancing budget pressures and cyber defense in a time of COVID budget cuts. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Eric Friedberg, co-president, Straws Friedberg, and Aon Company. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Tanya. Nice to see you. Give us a brief summary, if you will, of your extensive experience in law and cybersecurity. Uh, Tanya, I was a lawyer by training and became a cyber prosecutor at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn, where I ran the cybercrime unit uh, for a number of years and the narcotics unit for a number of years. And then I joined with an FBI friend of mine in cyber, and we started Straws Friedberg as a cyber consulting firm. So both at the government and also now in the private sector, I've been doing cybercrime response for about 30 years, uh, responding to some of the biggest attacks by state-sponsored uh, agents, by economically motivated hackers, by hacktivists and malicious insiders. Uh, so over 30 years, uh, I've seen quite a bit. You're in front of many chief information security officers. What are they telling you about their budgets since COVID-19 hit? You know, it really varies by sector. Um, some of the sectors are under tremendous budget pressure and some of them are not. Uh, and even within sectors, there's a lot of variation. So for example, in the financial sector, if you look at clearing firms and trading firms, based on the volatility in the market, they're they've made their numbers uh, in April, they've made their year-end numbers. And so they're under no pressure whatsoever generally. Whereas if you look at credit card companies that potentially are squeezed by lower interest rates and lower consumer activity, there there's more pressure uh, and there's um, pressure on budgets. And sometimes companies are being asked to either hold steady or give back. In the healthcare sector, you know, because the pandemic caused uh, non-emergency uh, procedures or elective procedures to be discontinued, that's where most of the money comes for hospitals. For hospitals, generally speaking, are under tremendous pressure financially, and that is carried through to the um, cyber sections and across the board, they're being asked to give back budget. On the other hand, there are different sort of nuances and safe harbors here. So for example, if you have a hospital or a dental practice that was recently hit by a major ransomware attack, what I found is notwithstanding the pandemic and notwithstanding those budget pressures, they are being given the budget to get to a better place so this kind of uh, cyber attack doesn't happen again. Why is cutting the cybersecurity budget at this point in the, in the time a bad idea? You know, right now we're seeing an enormous spike across the board in cybercrime. Um, a lot of the attackers are obviously trying to take advantage of what they think is chaos at the company where people might have their guard down and might not be as attentive. And also because of the pandemic, there's been a whole new crop of phishing related emails that are purporting to be COVID-19 related. I mean, there have been increases in the magnitude of 100, 200% in that kind of uh, phishing email attack. Uh, 
Uh, in addition, uh, and it's not clear that it's related because this is on the state-sponsored side, uh, CISOs of, product, of um, oil and gas companies and in companies that use industrial controls are seeing spikes in attacks on industrial controls and Internet of Things sensors in a manufacturing uh, uh, environment. So just across the board, it's very, very active, and it's just not a good time to let your guard down. What are some of the external factors that might constrain an organization's ability to, to make budget cuts? I mean, some of the external factors are obviously the threat environment. The threat environment is, as I said, spiked significantly. But also, in bigger companies, the plan to move along the cyber maturity path can be very complex. If you're a multinational and have both a business network and a, and a process control network, for example, and you have a three-year plan that's budgeted and targeted and socialized with the board, for example, it's very difficult to sort of cast a lot of that aside. It's sort of like turning the Titanic around. It's a big ship that's got a particular direction. And most people are, to the extent that they're able to, following through with their direction. As I said, in certain areas, if there is budget pressure, people are going through a process of um, figuring out what projects they can deprioritize or put on hold or cut that will have the least effect as possible on cyber maturity. And that's been, there's a playbook for that. And that's been a very sui generis process, sort of project by project, company by company, but a lot of CISOs are going through that to figure out if they have to make certain cuts, which are the cuts that are gonna be the least damaging. So then, to explain that. Which security initiatives on the CISO's to-do list do you believe are most in jeopardy of being paused or maybe even pushed out? So the process, the way I would answer that is the process that CISOs are going through right now is they're looking at, in the first instance, what are the biggest threat vectors that they face? What are the things that are going to hurt their companies the most? at scale. Is it a major ransomware attack? Is it the theft of PII or PHI at scale? Is it interfering with an e-commerce site's functionality? And obviously, the kinds of things on their roadmap that align to protect those against those specific types of highly likely attacks, those are generally staying on the roadmap and not getting cut. Obviously, the context of things that are more collateral to those major threats, those are the things that are, people are looking to pause or cut if need be. Um, the way that people are also dealing with that, or the way that CISOs are also trying to deal with this is by introducing different types of efficiencies into the process as a way of maintaining maturity, but not cutting budget. So for example, moving to the cloud if possible, using automation, using um, 
artificial intelligence to enrich, for example, uh, threat information that comes through a SIM. Um, also outsourcing to lower cost jurisdictions. Those are four of the areas where I see a lot of CISOs trying to get ahead of the curve, but at a lower cost point and more efficient. The problem with that is, is that those are all not things that you could do just by snapping your fingers. There's a longer roadmap. They take a while to assess. Some of the AI and automation technologies either have to be um, created from scratch in a development environment, or the ones that are on the market are sometimes um, beta technologies are unproven. So it's hard to go fast to achieve those efficiencies, but those are areas that I find CISOs looking at to try to keep maturity up and get more efficient. Eric Friedberg, co-president, Straws Friedberg, an Aon company. If somebody wants to connect with you, Eric, maybe they want to find out more about the work that you're doing or get some more advice on how to tackle these issues now that we're in the, this COVID-19 pandemic phase. How can they connect with you? Uh, Tanya, that's so nice of you. Uh, the best way to get me is at eric, E-R-I-C dot Friedberg, F-R-I-E-D-B-E-R-G at aon.com, A-O-N. Thanks again, Eric. And find more Thank of my you, interviews. Thank you, Tanya. Of course. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.